Welcome to Digitally Creative. I'm your host, Vincent Ferrari, and joining me this week, primarily because you guys asked, but not because I don't love him very much, um, <laughs> my good friend, the one and only John Reddick from Gen X Grown Up. What's going on, buddy? How you doing? Hey, Vincent. Thank you, first of all, for inviting me back. Secondly, as I was telling you before we started recording, I haven't seen the receipts that there are people asking to have me back, but I am flattered if true. So we'll, we'll say that. <laughs> I know for a fact you picked up one of my listeners as a patron. Yes, I did. Um, yeah. You did. Very so they yeah. found you on this podcast and they're a patron. So technically, that's okay. a patron, Patreon donation from me every month. So congratulations. Now I have the receipt. Fair enough. You got it. Okay. No, it's but, great to be back. Thanks. Oh, it's it's so... I mean, I was, I, I was telling John before we got started, I was a little worried about having him on because it's a little outside of what I typically talk about. He's, mm -hmm. you know, primarily mm -hmm. a content creator and mostly talks about things that, you know, there are passing interest for some people and deep interest like me um, mm -hmm. in the retro stuff. But man, after you were on last time, I swear to you, it just was like... You got to have him on again. He was so fun. It was such a fun conversation. We had to, and I'm like, all right, I'll have him on again. And I was like, you know what? I'll just throw the throw it at the wall and see if he wants to come on this week. So there yeah. we are. Well, I certainly um, had a good time. It's, it, I mean, ever since we met, it's been it's been a great relationship. You've swung by live edits on Twitch that I do for my podcast periodically. You'll pop in there, and mm -hmm. uh, it's is there's there's something really cool about you know this this fiber this network of of creators that will often get together and we support one another. And it's a, it's someone you can bounce ideas off of and it's sure. just moral support, you know, sometimes. So, uh, yeah, when you, when you ping me, I'm like, no brainer, you know, <laughs> I know you're a class act and you run a great show and I was, <laughs> there's no way I was going to say no. So I appreciate it. Um, I love, I, one of the things I love about popping in on Tuesday for your Twitch streams is mm. watching you edit a show and seeing kind of that, I don't know how to describe it, but just kind of that feeling of, oh, yeah, I'm not the only one that edits a show. I'm not the only one who just has yeah. to drag through this every week, you know, just and <laughs> I, I readily admit, I readily admit I don't have the hand that you do on this show. I kind of just wing it and let it go. Mm -hmm. um, but there are times, you know, I, I spend I don't spend a lot of time on direct edits like you do. Mm -hmm. I spend a lot of time on, you know, making sure that it looks different you know making sure the, the 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 video quality of the guest looks good because a lot of times they're washed out they're pixelated they're the contrast yes. is off like that kind of stuff and then audio levels trying to make sure that there's not there's always going to be a variation between me and my guests but i always try to make mm -hmm. sure that it's as close as i can conceivably make it without it sounding right. ridiculous and all those little technical details and i sit there and i slog through that every single week when that part of it is done and then I use my magic little program to cut up the camera cuts now to go from camera mm -hmm. one to camera two. I'm like, okay, the hard part of the edit is done. The rest of it is just smooth <laughs> sailing all the way to the finish line. But man, what I hear you saying is misery loves company. That's what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, it right? really does. <laughs> it really does. Well, see, I have a different problem. Problem is the wrong word, but mm -hmm. um, so we don't typically have guests. So mm -hmm. we have the three of us on the show and we all have the same mic sitting in the same place on the same table with the same levels. So I'm not tweaking for, you know, quality because, mm -hmm. you know, the guys are great and the mics are great and the hardware is great. And the software is great. What I find myself editing for, and every time I say it, it sounds filthy, but I'm going to say it again, <laughs> is I try to create listener lubricant. So... Oh, but do I, tell. <laughs> I, I, I want to reduce friction for the listener, right? Mm -hmm. So that's what lubricant is, right? Mm -hmm. So 
I, I try to walk this fine line for my ear that is, it sounds organic. I'm not taking out every little um or every little stutter, but I'm taking out ones that draw attention to themselves so that as a listener, I'm not pulled out of it so that someone might go, well, why didn't they edit that out? If you ever think to me, why didn't they edit that out? I didn't do it right. Right. The parts that are left in, if someone stammers, I try to take that out and fix it for them. If they're stammering while they're trying to find an idea, that's a very different thing. So sure. it's it's not AI edits, right? It's not right, like right. take out every instance of, um, it's not that. It's, is this, um, contributing to the thought or is this, um, um, just a you know, random crush in the middle verbal of it, punctuation of it. while I'm figuring out the next word to say, mm. you know? So that's really all I'm doing. And, also, and the other thing really is if all three of us talk at the same time, I try to gap it out. So everyone is heard because you have more than two people stepping on each other. You, you're going to miss something, you know, it's or hard all enough. It. it was, it was always hard when I had a, when I had a co-host for this show, um, mm-hmm. when I had a co-host and then we'd have a guest and sometimes, you know, we'd have married couples as a guest. So it'd be, me, my co-host, and then two other guests on top of it. And it's like four people oh, okay. doing a podcast. It's like, that's, that's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot of people, even yeah. if you're all very well behaved. But the problem is then you get to the point where you're all so well behaved that every conversation is punctuated by 20 seconds of silence while people are trying to make sure that it's okay Waiting for on the them next to talk. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The toughest one I ever had, we did an episode once where we had six people on. Oh, yeah. Which was the three of us, and we each had we each brought on a guest, and we were uh, we were debating the pros and cons of horror movies and what makes mm-hmm. a good horror movie. And like I brought on my daughter, and I think Mo brought on his daughter, and uh, I can remember George. Did he bring on his son, or no, he brought on Marcus. I think one of our longtime patrons. He brought anyway. We each brought someone to the table to defend our views, kind of thing. Uh, but luckily it wasn't six hosts. It was three hosts and three guests who were kind of, right. uh, who were longtime listeners and they knew better. But as you said, that balance, even once everybody's behaved, it's still, you're wrangling six cats and make sure mm-hmm. everyone gets their point across. And that, that's one of those things that I think you can teach, but you can't teach overnight. Um, sure. You have to either have to have an ear for it or it takes... It takes reps. You know, you're not going to go to the gym and be swole overnight. You're going to go to the gym every Tuesday for a month and then for a year and then for three years. And then finally, you're going to look different. Right. I think editing podcasting is like that. And editing video is like that to some degree, too, which is there's a there's a oh, like a vocabulary of video yes. and a vocabulary of yes. audio that you know, that leads your eye or leads your ear into the next thing. And it, it's not as simple as, you know, give me a checklist for it. It's something you kind of have to do for a while, I think, a or you're a prodigy, one of those, but it's, yeah. it's not, it's not difficult. It's just a million tiny details really. Is you, all it is. you know where I've learned, and this is going to be, this is kind of a bit of a, a confession to the people that don't know me really well, Ooh, but right. um, do you know where I've seen it's more of a feel thing than a technical teach you how to mm. do it thing? Karaoke. Okay. Karaoke is really hard. <laughs> it's hmm. really hard. I don't know. How, I don't care how well you know the songs. Okay. It's really hard, but I really love doing it. It's become my new favorite thing. Like I absolutely love doing karaoke. There's a bar in Queens that I go to with Kathy every every couple of weeks. We go. Um, nice. Have a night out with a bunch of friends, and they have karaoke on Saturday nights. Hey, the first night I went there, I was like, you know what? This is my opportunity to try it. It's a bunch of people I know. I mean, how bad could it be? And I had a great time, but I wasn't that good at it. 
and what's now your song? what's that what's your go-to song i haven't done a repeat yet i'm very proud oh, no? of that i oh, have you're not run, running through the book huh yep <laughs> okay. um i actually did um i did two this past week this past weekend and i did um so there's one singer who is actually my one of my fiance's close friends and she um she's like the best female singer in the bar like no doubt about it okay. people don't yeah. want to go up after her that's how good she is right well, her yeah. and i did paradise by the dashboard light together okay and nice. we absolutely brought the house down it was a hoot <laughs> we had a we had an amazing time and i was like i would not have anywhere near a had the confidence to go up there with her you know mm-hmm. a couple of a couple of months ago or right. b like done this song at all like it's a hard song is a lot it's a long song there's a lot going on it's but right. you know it was all it was all a matter of feel like there were parts where i wasn't even looking at the screen like i kind of knew the timing i knew when she finished her part i knew when to come in i didn't need to look at the screen to know oh it's my turn oh it's my turn you know you just kind of kind of know and you have a feel for the you kind of get absorbed into it you know it's great it's but yes karaoke a lot like video editing there's the uh, takeaway <laughs> i think in a couple of ways right because both of them are at a glance you think it's no big deal i can mm-hmm. just anybody can do it mm-hmm. but then when you dig into it you find out well you can do it but can you do it well can I you think do that's it what well it, both of them probably follow that right and Look, that's you, a- anybody place video and audio together can you make it listenable or watchable a hundred percent and that was so when i went up the first time um it was like all right, if I'm going to do this, I'm not going to half-ass this. Like, I'm going to do this, mm-hmm. do this. So I'm like emoting and pointing and like closing my eyes and shit. You know, I'm doing the whole yeah. performance. Like, I'm not just standing there, you know, arms at my side, mic in my hand, you know, scared looking at the, you know, because there are people, <laughs> right. believe Vince me. Vince at the are, mouse, squeak, squeak, squeak. <laughs> exactly, no, no. yeah. yeah. Um, there are people that do that and I don't, I don't judge them for it. I'm more impressed that cause there are people who will not go up there and do it period. Like they're just like, sure. Nope, wouldn't do it. Will not ever be doing that. Sorry. You guys can do it and entertain the rest of the bar and that's perfectly fine. But yep. it's, it's a good way because it's also gotten me out of my shell. And I've met some people at the bar who now are like, Hey, actually one of them came up to me Saturday. He's like, Hey, you haven't gone yet. Are you singing tonight or what? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm good. I'm good. I already have a, re- I already <laughs> have one. And I'm going to do another one. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's, you know, that's, it's funny. Cause there's that community thing again. Right. You know, cause all the people that mm-hmm. sing regularly, yeah. we, you know, you right. kind of, you see each other and it's like, Oh yeah. What are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm going to do John Mellencamp hurts so good. And he, the one guy was like, wait, wait, how's that one go again? And I started singing it in the back of the bar. The two of us are doing a duet of this song before either one of us went up. to say. <laughs> and it's like, damn it. How did I bond over this? Of all the things I've done in my life, like this is the thing I'm finding kinship with other people over. But it makes sense. Music is a powerful catalyst for I mean, it, it it jumps right to a certain core emotion sometimes, especially when you're looking at like nostalgic things you grew up with. Oh, yeah. Then you know, like sense and music and stuff like that, that it like bypasses, goes straight to your monkey brain. It goes, mm-hmm, remember mm-hmm. this and pokes your pleasure center. And like, you like it, feel good. You like it. And that's what those songs do. You really do remember, you know, they say scent is your strongest um, trigger yep. of memory. Like it is, that's right. that it's mm-hmm. scientifically proven. But I personally think that as far as the things that you actually process consciously, I think music is because I yeah. can tell you like a lot of times the last time I heard a song, the first time I heard a song, where I was the first time I heard it, where I was the last time I was singing it in the car. You know, like, it's just yeah. like, it, it. you connect to it every time you hear it. I think everyone 
I think everyone connects to music on a different level, but everybody connects to music. So, yeah. Yeah. And I have that same kind of feeling with, uh, like old Atari video games. I have a similar experience. It's not now they notoriously did not have music most of the time, but they had (laughs) sounds and they had Mm -hmm. that special sound chip. Right. And so most games kind of sounded samey. So there, there are games I don't go back to a lot, like the like Air Sea Battle that came with my Sears telegames, right? Oof. But when I plug it in, and when I push start, and I shoot the first thing, it goes, Pew! I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, I'm ten, right? Yep. <laughs> There's, it just it snaps me back to sitting cross-legged in front of the wood grain console <laughs> TV, you know, it, because it, it like scent does, you know, it's it's a kind of music, even yes. if some people would go, what's that noise? Well that cacophony is the sound of my childhood and I love it. So it's music, you know, so many, it's amazing how, how iconic some of those Atari 2600 games soundtracks. And I use that term Mm -hmm. super loosely, but how, (laughs) how, how iconic some of those soundtracks are because like games like, um, Yars Revenge, that droning hum in the background. And yeah, yeah, it's, you know it. And the sound of the spiral spinning up and it's like, you yep. know it like you just I get goosebumps when I think about those sounds or like the guy ping ponging around the balloons at the top of the screen on Circus Atari. Oh, you know, heck like, yeah. Right. You <laughs> finally like, break through and they get up high. Do I need to flip it? Which way is it? Oh, man, I, I hate that game, but love that game. <laughs> I, I, that's exactly me. I hate that game and I love it at, at the same time. But yep. yeah, those are um, those games. All they stick with you. I play. I think on all I have um, the RG, I want to say it's the 352, the Ambernick one. And that's where I keep oh, most yeah. of my ROMs. And, sure. That's um, a little handheld, yeah? Yes, yes. It's the one yes. that's shaped like a shaped and colored like an SNES controller. Um, okay, I, sure. Yep. I love it. I think it's the greatest thing ever. And the games I play the most on it are Atari 2600 games. In fact, in preparation for speaking to you today, I actually played Vanguard this morning, and you know how much I hate that game. I, I know you don't Vanguard. care for Vanguard. You know that it has a soft spot in my heart, mm-hmm. especially that 2600 version. <laughs> but it's funny because when I hit the E, again, the iconic soundtrack, you hit the E, you go, That's like somebody screaming right now at their podcast. That is some like regular like symphonic music that's an orchestral piece i don't know what oh, it yeah. is you know march of the something i don't know what it's called it's <laughs> it's probably, it probably it's is some kind of march it's probably a combination of it's something wagner yeah. did and we're not allowed to talk yeah. about wagner anymore <laughs> you know somebody took it because it was royalty free so i can use this song right so they plug it in and now it becomes you know i don't know who wrote it sorry bach sorry whoever you are it's a vanguard song now you know as far as i'm concerned <laughs> The, the, what I, um, so this weekend as I was doing stuff, um, I was doing stuff around the house, I was listening to you guys in your return episode and you really, you threw a teaser up at the end for what you guys are doing this coming week. And I, I meant to watch the edit yesterday and I was, I was really, really busy. I didn't get a chance to, (laughs) but I am so excited. So as we're recording this, it is August 16th. Um, the episode yep. that we're speaking about drops on August 17th. And that's right. That episode is going to be, you are doing a backtrack about Purple Rain. That's right. My God, that's man. exactly right. Of all the albums to do, you picked like literally <laughs> the greatest, possibly the greatest movie soundtrack in history. 
Well, I'll tell you, here's the thing. And it's more than just a movie soundtrack. That's mm-hmm. one of the many things that it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. First, I said before last time I was here, I'm so impressed that you actually pay attention enough to know, like, you know what's dropping on what day. <laughs> there can't be that many of our fans that they're just, let's see what's next. But thank you for that. But yeah. So you can imagine picking backtrack topics. I remember when we started the podcast mm-hmm. seven years ago or something, and I had a friend go, well, you're going to run out of topics pretty soon. And I'm like, oh no, because we did VHS and mm-hmm. we did, you know, you did cassettes and you did. And then we found out there's so much you could do. And then you could start digging into individual things. Like I know at one point we did fads of the eighties and then we realized, no, 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 no. You got to break that up. So mm-hmm. like we're planning an episode in a few weeks. That's, 80s fashion trends, like just that little niche of fads. You know, you could break things down so far. Rainbow tracksuits, here we come. Yeah, right. <laughs> yep. The side ponytail and the torn knee jeans, whatever, oh, whatever awesome. things there are, right? Awesome. So, but when looking for topics, one thing we found, we we had done musical backtracks. We had done ones where we said, oh, the billboard hits of 82 or whatever, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But we had not said, oh, pick an album just as a cohesive piece of work. And the first one we did last year, no, it was early this year. Anyway, we did Synchronicity by the Police. Which was an awesome episode. Really enjoyed doing that. We got so much positive response. And not long after we did it, one of our huge fans said, let me tell you, August is this anniversary of around the creation of Purple Rain. Like August 3rd is when this live performance and people heard these songs for the first time. In fact, three songs on the album are from that first live performance, August 3rd and 83, I think. Oh, wow. Which is now exactly 40 years ago. And uh, he was like, if you will please do Purple Rain sometime in August of this year, I will help you do the research. So he's like a co-researcher and producer on this. And we're like, yeah, do the work for us. I mean, you could bribe us with effort. Sure, absolutely you can. (laughs) And spoiler alert, it's just a big love fest of, you know, even songs that aren't our favorite songs are Mm -hmm. still great songs on this album. Like there aren't any like, oh, skip this one. There's none of those on this thing. Yeah. So I was listening to uh, a friend of mine used to do um, a podcast that was all lists. That was every week yep. they would do a different list, um, him and his co-hosts. And one week they were doing the greatest soundtracks of, I think they did the greatest soundtracks of the 80s. And mm-hmm. there were a lot of what you would expect on there. You know, there was, you know, your Dirty Dancing. Um, mm-hmm. I was still, I'm still upset that Cocktail didn't make his list, but whatever. Because I think Cocktail <laughs> is one of the best soundtracks of yeah. the 80s, but right. fine, whatever. You didn't put it on there. And they got to number one, they said Purple Rain. And yeah. I always knew Purple Rain as an album. I had no yeah. idea that it was a soundtrack. And it was such a mind blower for me. And it made me mm-hmm. look at that album in a whole different light. Like imagine, like that never happens. Like to have a soundtrack that people don't even know. I mean, obviously some people knew. It's not like a secret. They weren't mm-hmm. hiding it right. from anybody. Of course. But it was something that I just never knew. I just knew it as an amazing album. So... And you're not wrong. It's like one of the trivia items we cover in this show is Prince had at one point there in when Purple Rain came out in 83, whenever it was, he had the number one album, the number one soundtrack and the number one single simultaneously. Jesus. And that's only ever been accomplished by two other artists. It's the Beatles and forgive me for not remembering the second one, but it's great company. That's to have incredible. all of that together. And for him, they were all off one album. It was all <laughs> off of one thing. And only three people have ever done that. And 
I learned stuff about him that I didn't know. I mean, the first segment we talk about the man and his history Mm -hmm. before we jump into the album and uh, yeah, it's, I'm going to spoil it or it's, it's really interesting, more interesting than I thought it would be, but uh, it's wild. We'll do, we'll do more of these. It's wild because people know him as a singer and a performer and they don't even realize how many songs he wrote for other people. You know, obviously Sinead O'Connor, Sinead O'Connor just died recently, but nothing Mm -hmm. compares to you was written by him for her. Like that was, that was, he wanted her to sing that song. That was his goal was for her to sing that song. It's like, damn. And you know, Kathy and I were talking about this because we were, we drove, we went to Baltimore two weeks ago. Yeah. Two weeks ago now. Jeez. Um, And we were in the car for a while. So we were talking about all kinds of stuff. When we were talking about music, it's like, we were talking about how many people were known as singers, but then really, and performers were were really like songwriters for a lot of other people, you know, Lionel Richie was a super prolific songwriter and I had no idea until I got older. It's like, Oh yeah, he wrote that for this person. And he wrote that, you know, you know, obviously everyone knows the Diane Warrens and the Jim Steinman who was connected to meatloaf Mm -hmm. until meatloaf stopped performing. He basically wrote just about every meatloaf song that was ever performed. But man, you start seeing all these famous people that are performing on their own and how many songs they wrote for other people. It's like, wow, Mm -hmm. this is like, these guys are way more talented than just, good performers that can stand on a stage that shows you how good they are it's like not only do they have a creative spigot putting out enough content for themselves but Mm -hmm. it's more than they could possibly consume right and so they're they're bottling it and giving it to other people you know because they have so much creativity do you have um do you have any albums like i mean purple rain as much as i think it's a great album it didn't really it didn't really connect for me as a kid, but then as an adult, it's like, yeah, this is, this mm-hmm. is amazing. Like, do you have any albums like that where you've discovered them as an adult, even though you knew about them kind of when you were younger and went, wow, I really mm-hmm. didn't give this the credit it was deserved at the time. Hmm. That's a really good question. I mean, there are certainly, there, there are groups that I have followed, you know, as a kid that I followed, you know, I have my favorite bands. And I remember as a kid, it's like when you find your first love and you're mm-hmm. like, oh, what is this new emotion that I've never felt before, right? <laughs> and then when you lose it, it crushes you, but you want it again, right? Mm-hmm. And I know when I found like my band that I loved, I remember going, oh, this is what music can be. And yeah. then I started, and the nice thing about that is you don't have to break up with that band to go find another one, right? I'm like, I gotta, <laughs> seek, I gotta seek out the another great band that I'm going to love. Sure. And and I listened and I never found anything that clicked for me quite as much as that one band. So maybe that was my soulmate band, you know, maybe that's mm-hmm. it. But there have certainly been, there's certainly been artists that have come along uh, as of late that I would not expect to like, mm-hmm. you know, like the Justin Timberlakes of the world, you know, like uh-huh. the, like the Katy Perry's of the world. It's so easy to dismiss them as pop music and bubblegum music. Sure. But there's a musicality and a there's something in those songs that they're not for me. They're not for a 50-year-old dude, right? Right, right, right. They're at the club and they're hooking up and their stuff and I'm doing laundry, right? That's not really a song <laughs> for me. But but there's something in just in the we talked about how much music connects on a primal level. Just hearing those songs it almost lets me almost let me live vicariously through them and through their it's like feeling young again right? right i didn't have that same experience growing up but i have found that 
I think a lot of people our age will go, oh, it's kids music. You know, that's, you know, that's not even music, that kind of opinion. <laughs> and I'm all over the dial. You know, I'll be listening to, you know, let's listen to current pop stuff and let's, let's switch over to listen to Weird Al Yankovic. And let's listen <laughs> to some country music and let's switch over and listen to some hip hop. You know, I'm all over the dial, which is great now that you can do that on YouTube music or Spotify or Absolutely. whatever. But uh, yeah, there's not just one. I think everybody that I could have found that I loved when I was a kid, I found. It's really mm-hmm. finding those new artists that, the surprise me, you know, when I give them a list and I'm like, okay, there's something there for me. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's, I think that's, I think that's just as important. I think one of the things, you know, they say that your music taste kind of stopped growing when you're 25, you basically hit mm. 25 and the music you like when you're 25 becomes the music you like for the rest of your life. <laughs> and there is something to that because if I think about what I listen to now, it's like, yeah, even if even if it's different artists, that style is still you know it still yeah, rears yeah. its head the most. But I always find that I think we have a tendency to lock ourselves in that bubble, though, because yes, we love that music, but mm-hmm. that not that need not be the only music that you love. You can find current stuff too. Mm-hmm. It's not forsaking, right? You're not forsaking the Beatles to go and listen to Lil Nas, right? It's okay. You're allowed to. You can always come back to the Beatles. It's not They'll required always be there. to give up one. That's right. They're going to be there. Yeah, you never know what you might like. You know what's actually exposed me to a lot of the stuff that I had forgotten about? Um, Spotify just mm. released a new feature, and they kind of soft-launched it. So they didn't really announce it. They just released it, and it's called DJ. That's all it's called. Um, okay. It's on your homepage. It's got a blue icon with a, with the word beta on the top of it because it's not officially released yet. It's something okay. that they're trialing. And when you start it up, you get an AI voice that introduces himself as Xavier, but you can call him X <laughs> and he talks to you, explains how it works. Oh, wow. So there's an AI voice is it in between oh, yeah. songs. Then? Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. So he's, he will, he, I'm referring to him like he's a person, but mm-hmm. he acts like a person. And as you're listening to songs, he will go into your history. He'll look at what you've played. He'll look at stuff you like. He'll look at stuff that you haven't played in a while. This past weekend, I was playing it because it's a great way to go through Spotify without having to dig around and try to find stuff. And mm-hmm. he came up on one. He's like, you know, a couple of years ago, it was summertime and you were rocking out to these songs, but you haven't listened to any of them while. So this in a while. So this next set is going to be some stuff you used to listen to a lot, but haven't listened to so much lately. And if you mm-hmm. don't like what he's playing, you can hit a button and it'll skip it and it won't put that mm-hmm. in your rotation anymore. Or you can favorite something that isn't already a favorite, but it'll keep going. And it just continuously at every couple of songs, he jumps in, explains what the next wow. set's going to be. And it's like, this is absolutely incredible. Like, it's incredible, yeah. especially if you're a music lover and you have a lot of stuff in your history. And you've been, yes. I was with Spotify before it was officially in the United States. So I have a lot of history with Spotify. So, of course, when they want to pull into my history, they're going to go back seven, eight years. You know, it was, it's now, wonderful. They can license Casey Kasem's voice for this AI bot. Oh my oh, goodness. Oh man. That would be lit. <laughs> welcome. Welcome to America's top 40. I'm Casey Kasem. <laughs> that would be absolutely fantastic. Um, this it, is this... Vincent from the U S and he writes, <laughs> dear Casey, I want to write a long distance dedication to my puppy. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. Yep. <laughs> Uh, that rant, by the way, if, if you guys haven't ever heard the um, Casey Kasem losing his mind and like it was a hot mic moment where he was recording, oh, no. he was a recording America's <laughs> top 40. Um, mm-hmm. It's wild. He loses oh, yeah. his 
damn mind. <laughs> was the engineer screwing up or something? He was no, so he was doing he's doing America's Top 40, and they came out of an upbeat number, and the dedication was about a dog that died. Oh. And so he, he's like, nobody did the research. He was upset. He absolutely <laughs> lost his mind. He's like, I really wish people wouldn't make me do a dedication to a goddamn oh. dog that died after coming out of an upbeat number. Like, <laughs> cursing up a storm, profanity, wow. like, really just losing his freaking mind. And you're like, wow, that's kind of like, you know, like a prima donna type thing. But then you think about it, it's like, yeah, you know, you're coming out of that, you know, because DJs, there's something in music called hitting the post. Anyone that's in region in, in music knows about hitting the post. When you're introing a song, you want to kind of talk until the last conceivable second right before the hook hit, right before the lyrics mm -hmm. hit. And right. when you're done, you want to bring the song out well, how do you bring out an upbeat song with a dedication about a dog dying? Like mechanically as a DJ, that's got to be a nightmare. And mm. if you've ever done it, it sucks. <laughs> so it's like, I can only imagine what he must have been thinking. And he made it pretty clear. <laughs> so I love, it I sounds love like me between takes when I'm shooting a video, except <laughs> the person I'm mad at is me. So, <laughs> so Let's talk about let's talk about you because you have maintained you have maintained your daily vlogs, which I give you a lot of credit for because you are in my yeah. YouTube subscriptions every single day. No rain or shine, there is John doing his daily vlog. Um, yeah, can't avoid him. There he is. <laughs> and when last we spoke, you were starting to ramp up, ramp up Gen X grown up, trying to make it your your primary source of income. Yeah. Right. Just wondering how it's going. How's it going for you? Is it, is the growth, what is the growth there? Is it what you'd hope for? Is it, you know, are you optimistic or is it something where you're like, I need to find something soon? Like how's, what's the um, assessment so far now that you're doing it full time? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. And one that, as you can imagine, I reevaluate about every week or so as I see how things are going. Right. <laughs> you and me both, um, my friend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So for the, for the benefit that anybody that doesn't follow me on my vlog every day, the dozen of you that do, <laughs> I was laid off back in November of last year. And uh, since I was already doing Gen X Grown Up, as you said, I really wanted to see, I'd, I'd always said, look, if I was brave, I'd quit my job and really try to double down on this because I think I have the chops. I think I have the aptitude, but it's not going to happen as a hobby. Well, mm -hmm. I was too chicken to do that, but my job was not too chicken to fire me. So um, I said, I'll take, look, <laughs> Jesus there's Christ. the universe saying, here's your opportunity. You're going to go look for another job or you're going to actually, you know, get off the pot and do this. So mm -hmm. I did. And that's what you're referring to. And, you know, I think when we last spoke, really things were just ramping up. Uh, I, I was putting out stuff regularly. I was finding, I was finding a groove that I can do. Um, and more, not more so equal to, can I grow large enough to sustain myself financially? That's, that's fully a half of it. The other half of it is, is that thing I accomplished something I actually can sustain, right? So maybe, yes, if I did three long form videos a day, I would grow. But can I do that for any amount of time? No. You'd burn out in a well, second. There's, yeah, there's been an adjustment of finding, okay, for the first few months, I put out something every single day, a short, a long, whatever, because I was just, I'm shotgun approaching it. And as I near, zeroed in on where an audience is and where I'm finding success, I dialed it back because I realized, well, once you can find a niche that's working for you, you can focus on that. You know, could I spend all day today working on a video that would create 5,000 views? Sure, I could. 
But what if I spent all week creating a video that will generate 50,000 views? Well, right. that's much better. That's a better use right? of your time, sure. Yes, and so right. And so there's a greater potential there because now I've doubled my I've doubled my exposure just by picking what I do and focusing on that. So I've started putting out less stuff, usually two or three videos a week instead of seven mm-hmm. or eight videos a week. Uh, I spent less time on shorts because while shorts get you exposure, it's not the kind of exposure that generates revenue. So I literally have to say to myself every day, is this thing I'm doing, is it A, something that will generate revenue of some kind, uh, or is there something else I would like to do and prefer to do that would generate more? And usually that's the decision. Not always, but I hate to be mercenary, but success means being stable. And if I can't do that, so... Over the last eight months or so, um, I've more than doubled our subscribers. I've more than doubled the number of views that we've gotten. Our social followings are much larger. People have reached out to me from all walks of life. I had a guy contact me about a documentary. I had a guy contact me about a book he's writing. I've been uh, guest hosted on several great podcasts, also yours. Gotcha. (laughs) (laughs) And (laughs) teasing, of course. Uh, For those that can't see the the knowing wink, I'm teasing. There's, and I've had a few videos just blow up that has started to get me where I need to be. Furthermore, I'm right on the precipice of some amazing opportunities that I have spent several months nurturing. Mm -hmm. So realistically, my runway was a year. I said, you know, I'm going to give myself a year and that would be November 1st. Um, November 1st would be literally just draining the bathtub right before you get in the bath. I mean, it's like, it's warm, it's perfect. The suds are right and you drain it. But now it's finally time for me to hop in the tub because I've spent all this time nurturing relationships and with vendors. And, you know, I've got this one vendor that I've been consulting with and side gigs is another thing. You know, Mm -hmm. I thought I was going to spend all my time doing videos, 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 but I got a, a hosting gig that's paid. I got a consulting gig that's paid all through exposure. And the more you get out there. So to wrap up the long answer of the short question that you asked me, it it is not growing as fast as I need it to for my initial runway. However, mm-hmm. it has grown enough to extend that runway. That's great. So my 12 months is looking more like 18 months now. So I'm okay. probably going to be, you know, mid, early to mid 2024 before I have to, you know, pull the cord or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, honestly, I don't look at that as a failure. Um, no. it, it is a failure of succeeding the thing I want to do, but worst case scenario, I have grown my hobby into a much larger side gig. If I have to go back to work and only do a video every couple of weeks, at least I have grown it to a point where that video every couple of weeks might be, might not fall on deaf ears and hit a hundred views. It's probably going to get a few thousand and I'll still have an audience. That's not what I want, but you know, I, I'm not pessimistic. I'm not optimistic. I'm really pragmatic. And I, I know that what I'm doing is something a lot of people would like, like editing. We just talked a second ago, Vincent, like Mm -hmm. anybody can do it. It's easy. Anybody can't. I I recognize that just like being successful here. There may be just something I don't have, right? Maybe it's a certain twinkle in my eye. Maybe it's a certain lilt when I speak. It's something that (laughs) makes people just pop off the screen that I just don't have possibly, you know? And I won't know until I find enough people tell me that I have it or I don't. I'm a growing, but if I had that, would I be growing at five times the speed or I don't know. So it's, you're just throwing darts at the board, waiting to see what sticks, where you're going to hit and who's going to respond. And it's been positive 
it has not been overwhelmingly positive, but encouragingly positive. So encouragingly positive is a good thing. I mean, if you can, if, yeah. you, if you're extending your runway six months, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, my yeah. runway, my runway, I fell off the end of the runway, the plane crashed, and now I'm looking for survivors. Oh, my um, oh. So I completely, <laughs> I know, hey, look, it happens, and that's just life, right? And I get it. But yep. I am, I'm, I understand what you're going through. Like, I can totally, totally relate. And the fact that you're able to extend it another six months, that's, that's fantastic. I mean, that's, that's, look, it's, it, things come in, sometimes the successes don't come in big lumps. They come in small chunks and you know what, you're right. That's and six months is a, look, you had a one year runway. You extended, you didn't extend it six months. You extended it 50%. What else in your life have you ever done 50% better than you planned at? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, what you're telling me right now is the reason uh, among the reasons that I vlog every single morning, every single mm-hmm. weekday, at least when, when I get up, because a, it's a motivator because otherwise I know me, I'm lazy. I'll sleep in or I'll just, ah, I'll get to it later. That kind of thing. It makes me come in, turn on the lights, stand here and talk. That's step sure. one. But the other is the reality check of people that either when I'm down, they tell me you shouldn't be. Here's why when I go off on a tangent or I get too excited, they're like, Hey, remember to focus, right? It's, it, it isn't, it isn't a, Oh, I want to be on, I want to be on video every day because look at me, it becomes therapy. I think mm-hmm. I said it the other day in, 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 a, in a vlog where I got, you know, in the middle of it, I'm like, wow, until I stood, stood here and said it to you, to you being the, whoever, a couple hundred people that pay attention, I hadn't thought of it that way. And it was based on a comment that I got the day before. And it becomes this chorus of people that become my conscience, that become my Jiminy Cricket, that kind of help me, you know, don't forget you or you're good enough. Don't forget you did well last week. We have confidence in you. And and it's not just ego massaging. It's real good advice and real good input that I get in the comments of those. And it's it's invaluable. I would have quit. I expect had I not started doing those vlogs because I would not have, I'd have been in my echo chamber of failure because things weren't going as good as they could be. But instead I opened myself up and many people have said, man, you're very raw and very honest, but you're not, you know, you're not woe was me, but days that I'm having a bad day, I say I'm having a bad day. And I, mm-hmm. I like to hope that my vision for those vlogs is when I stop doing them or when I die or when I'm so big, I can't be bothered or whatever. The reason I stopped doing them is that they'll be of use to someone that either got laid off work and decided to do something entrepreneurial. Because a lot of my vlog is about, well, I I edited a video or I got an interview, Mm -hmm. but a large chunk of it is about the emotional journey that I've been on from that rejection you get when you're laid off to finding your worth to deciding how to, you know. And two, I think there's something in watching this, this arc, you know, like a, I I say many times in, in my vlog, I'll go, Hey, you know, Thanks for tuning in. You could be seeing the next superstar in the making, or you could be watching a train wreck. We'll find out together (laughs) by some point, you know, this will have a finality. We will have an ending. It's not going to be serial, the podcast that didn't know how to wrap it up. This will somehow conclude, (laughs) right? 
I, it hasn't been written yet, but it's going to end somehow. And everyone that goes along for the ride is going to see what's happening. And I enjoy sharing it. And I enjoy, well, it's, it's how we met, you know, I mean, you listen yeah. to the podcast, but yeah. it's how we, is what connected us to start talking IRL, right? A hundred percent. Before you were on the other end and we were talking and you, we were in your ears, but mm-hmm. it was the thing you, I, I, I like to hope that maybe you're like, oh, this is just a dude, you know, cause yeah. some no, people it's listen funny to and go, yeah. Your, your streams pop up in my calendar. So like there'd be days where Kathy and I are sitting on the couch and my, um, my echo in the living room will show John, um, John GXG stream 10 AM tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And she's like, yeah. Oh, that's right. Um, do you want to make, do you want to like push your plans back an hour so you can watch John? Like, it's like, <laughs> like, it's, it's just kind of like, you know, part wow. of the routine. You know, it, when you, there was, we were, I was talking with my guest yesterday, um, yesterday, Hold on, I got I can't confuse the audience here. My guest last week, what I recorded yesterday. No, yesterday I recorded Monday. Jeez, I I this is the problem when you're not working, by the way. You have no concept of days anymore. How, they, how do days work again? Exactly. The days I are just lost. I don't know. I it, woke it up today, yeah. I ate I ate lunch, I ate lunch at eleven o'clock and dinner at four. Like I have no idea what anything is anymore. But we were Are talking, you 70? <laughs> the early bird special you got there? Literally, literally, I'm getting senior discounts in my own apartment. But uh, I, um, we were talking about the parasocial relationship, you know, and it's it's funny because that parasocial relationship does sometimes work two ways. You know, when you're talking about the audience being your collective conscious, conscience, mm-hmm. not conscious, conscience. Um, it's it's interesting to think of it because you know we were talking about in one respect it's weird when someone like him because he has four and a half million subscribers on YouTube. So wow. when he goes to, when he goes to an event or when he's out, people recognize him, people come up to yep. him. It's, it's a whole, then he doesn't know them, but they all know him, you know, right. and, and, and kind of that weird flip side, because you've done so much to relate to your audience, you're kind of getting a bunch of people like you have the Borg, like reprogramming you every time you get off track. And it's kind of this, yeah. like, wow, it's like a reverse parasocial relationship. You have a parasocial oh. conscience. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. So. You know, what's funny is I had one of those moments at the Southern fried gaming expo a couple of weekends ago. Mm-hmm. I, I had several uh, of look. I've gone there for six, seven years in a row. And nobody ever stopped me in the hallway and went, hey, you're the guy from Gen X Grown Up, right? <laughs> nobody cared. Nobody knew. L- L- I was at a booth that said Gen X Grown Up on it, and they didn't know who I was, right? So it didn't <laughs> right. Awkward. But, like, oh, are you watching the table till they get back? No, no, I'm the guy. Right? So, but this year, because of all the growth that we've had, I was even thinking mm-hmm. going, not from a vanity standpoint of like, boy, I hope someone wants my autograph, but more of a, I wonder if I've seeped outside of the bubble I had enough that random people that I don't know might recognize me. Right. Um, and I had, I've had four or five of those at SFGE, but I want to share with you my favorite one. Sure. I wish I had caught this guy's name. I wish I knew the follow up and just tell him how he made my day. But I felt like, I felt like a movie star because I was, uh, so these elevators in the, uh, in the Waverly in Atlanta are, they're all interior elevators, but they're glass. So you can, you can watch as you go up and you can see the big, you know, downstairs and mm-hmm. the big atrium that's all open and you got to get in. And I was going like, I don't know, up to the 14th floor or something. It's really high. So we had a long ride and I stepped in the elevator and it was one gentleman and his wife just standing there. Uh, just because I met them, I know that. And, um, and as I stepped in, I just kind of, as you always do, step in the elevator, go, Hey, just kind of greetings. 
And he went, oh my God. And he had his phone out on selfie mode with his arm around my shoulder before he even said hello. He's like, you're John from the Gen X Grown Up channel. And he said, and I'm like, would you like to take a picture? Because you already did kind of thing. I didn't mind, obviously. Mm-hmm. You know? Obviously, yeah. But, and so I went from, you know, resting bitch face to, hey, I'm on face <laughs> for the picture, right? As I was just, <laughs> I was just John in an elevator. And then I went to, hey, you know, that face. And, um, and then for the rest of the elevator ride, he proceeded to tell me about, and he was telling his wife, you know, this is the guy that I was telling you about that. I'm like, wait, wait, you're talking at home about who I am. Wow. It's insane. It's like, no, no. Remember you come in, I'm watching usually when you're going to bed and I'm watching his videos, this is that guy. And I'm like, holy crap. Not only look, not only did you watch, I've watched a lot of YouTube videos. I'm not sure mm-hmm. how many of the people I would recognize walking around in the wild. Right. No, I'm, he watched me enough to recognize me and to to give a damn enough to want to take a picture with me. And that wasn't like flattering. That was validating is what that was. Mm. It wasn't like, look at me, how good I am. It's like, look at the work I've done and what rewards it has started to reap. And I, I it made my day. I felt so good about just knowing that and a two or three more micro versions of that happened. Nobody assaulted me with a photo, but I had people, you know, <laughs> talking to a guy over a booth and we're just chatting. And he's like, by the way, I love your YouTube channel. I'm like, wow, thank you. Nice. Who are you? How do you, and you want to go, how do you know me? But mm-hmm. you're putting your face on the internet every day. I know how they know me. Someone's going to eventually recognize you. Yeah. It's just, it's really, yeah. I don't know how else to say it was validating. It was vindicating. It was, it was, it was, it was great. I, I wish I could send him a, you know, up some flowers. <laughs> it, it must be nice to, it must be nice to be able to track your progress from, you know, I'm at the booth. If I died here, no one would know to call 911 <laughs> to I get in the yep. elevator and all of a sudden someone's fanboying over me. Like that's gotta be like the most amazing thing in the world to just be able to go. Yeah. Even if I don't feel like things are moving along at the clip, I'd like them to move along at. They yeah. clearly are moving along. You know, it's, you know, sometimes, sometimes we, we assume that the speed that things are moving along at are, is what's ruining things. But what you don't realize is forward is forward. I always say progress is progress. Even, even when I don't believe it, I always tell myself that progress is progress. You know, some months, some months, and I'm going to tell you this month is going to be one of those months, like paying the rent is going to be tough this month. Right. But I know. I'm going to be able to pay the rent. I don't know how. I don't know how. I figured it out. Quite correct, right? You have but, every previous one. You will find a way here. Right. Yeah. And I have paid every previous rent so far. And yeah, last right? month, so far. last month, I di- I was like, God, I don't know where this money's going to come from. And I paid the rent. It's like, wait, I I I paid the rent. Like I paid it, and I sat there and went, dude, you did it. See, you figured yeah. it out. Like, yeah, it's yeah. struggling, and some of the bills get a little bit, you know, pushed to the side for now. But that's. Mm-hmm. But the progress of being able to go, yes, when I, I didn't think I could do this and I'm doing it and to, to feel like things are moving forward and, you know, hey, paid the rent. Progress is progress. You know, I'm going to I could at least make it. I may make it to the end of my lease where I can just say, OK, look, I can't afford the rent here anymore. I have to mm-hmm. I'm going to have to leave. But at least I'm not going to take a penalty for it. All the stupid stuff that you worry about. Right. And that's progress. Like it's not the kind of progress I thought I'd be making after almost a year of being unemployed. But it's progress. And I'm yeah. okay with whatever progress comes along because it's moving forward. And I think we underestimate the power of moving forward because the steps are small. So 
Well, that's the thing. And so I've learned so many things during this experiment, this journey, this entrepreneurial folly, whatever it is that I'm doing. And the number one tip that I will give anyone who wants to venture out on YouTube is there is not just one tip to be successful venturing out on YouTube. <laughs> there is not a magic bullet. There is mm-hmm. not, a, there's not a thing I can tell you. Um, first, why would I tell you? Because I am not the success I want to be yet. So where do I get off? Right. It's your own right. journey to get right, there. Right. But my number one tip for today <laughs> that, I, that I've been feeling <laughs> recently is when you are in it, when you're in the ditch and you are currently digging and you have a shovel full of dirt and you're sweaty and you're tired, what you can see is what's in front of you and what happened yesterday and what I'm trying to get to tomorrow. It's so easy to not stop and step back and look at your progress over the last week, month, yeah, yeah, year. I get in little ruts where I'm like, oh, the stats are going down. I hate my life. This is a failure. What am I doing? And then I switch the guide from, you know, 30 days to 90 days. I go, look at this ramp up that I'm currently (laughs) in the midst of, but in a dip of the ramp up, you know, it's easy to feel. Yeah. It's like you get in the shower and the water is hot. Well, when the water starts to get a little cold, you're like, damn, it's so cold. It's terrible. (laughs) No, it's just not as hot as it was. It's still much hotter than when you turned it on and it was cold. But it's easy to forget that when you're in the midst of it. And I get in my head that way a lot. That's one of the corrections I have to keep making where I get in periods of, like you said, success comes in these these chunks, not necessarily Mm -hmm. even out. And you have weeks where things are on the downslide. Without the light, there can be, without the dark, there can be no light or whatever the the saying is, right? You need that to be able to measure the successes. It's all relative. And sometimes I just don't pull back. I don't zoom out far enough to see what I've accomplished. But when I do, I'm like, oh yeah, look where I was a month ago, three months ago. Sure. Uh, I think that applies not to content creators. I think that applies to, you know, across the board to anyone who's being creative like other people in your audience are. I mean, I know you mentioned when we sat down to talk that I'm not exactly your audience's cup of tea necessarily. I'm not that kind of creator, but Mm -hmm. the the human condition to want to make something for people to enjoy, I think has, has universal earmarks to it that are true no matter what that creative thing is. Absolutely. You know, you're woodworking or you're making jewelry or you're shooting video or you're recording mm-hmm. a podcast. They're, the desire to want to make something, especially to make something that is received well and enjoyed, there are there are things that are true across the board, whatever that thing is that you love. And one of the one of the reasons I like having people like I like having people like you on is that even though you don't fit the traditional definition of a maker, you do fit the traditional definition of a creator and a content creator and to, you know, to some extent, an artist, because you're editing videos, the videos that you do is an art form. Editing the podcast is an art form. You know, making a thumbnail is an art form. It's a hundred percent. It's all, it's all one big ball. uh, What's the psychology of who's going to click on what? what, Where's your eye go? Things like that. I've learned so much. People love to hear because a lot of the people that do listen to this podcast are content creators. You know, they're makers, they're artists, they're creative people and whatever, but they're also content creators. And sometimes hearing from just another content creator, you know, because getting outside, you know, you talk a lot about, you talked a lot about getting outside of the bubble. 
we mm -hmm. as makers love to be in the bubble. We love our maker community. And that's one of the things yep. that, you know, you'll hear every maker says they love the maker community and for, rightfully so. It's a great place, great people. Everybody's awesome. Right. But sometimes it's a really good idea to take a step, a block North to where you don't live <laughs> and yeah, see yeah. what goes on on that street. Because it's like, Oh, that's working for him. Maybe that could work for me. You know, it's yeah. like, the, the advice, the advice doesn't change. The advice doesn't change. It's what, you know, the, the, if you're on YouTube, you're on YouTube, you're not on YouTube as a maker, you're on YouTube, period. Nobody cares what you mm -hmm. do. You know, yeah. you, you're on YouTube. How does, how does another YouTuber do what they do? Maybe I can glean something off of their pain and suffering, you know, <laughs> I can you learn know and another them. facet of that same gym is that when you live inside of your bubble within your community, where you're you all get along and you can commiserate and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It's my experience that other creators doing what I'm doing. I know I don't. So I'll speak for myself and a couple other people. I don't have the capacity. I don't have the bandwidth to be a super fan of someone else's creation. Mm. I'm a super fan of my creations because I have to be, I live them and breathe them. Right. So I get up at nine o'clock in the morning. I shoot my vlog I work for a couple hours, I go to lunch, I work for a few hours, and then I have dinner, and then I'm working all night. I'm in my, you know, studio and I'm clicking on comments, and I'm going to social. I'm working a, you know, a 16-hour day. It's not work, you know, I'm not it's not hard labor, but I'm working at it. Right. So I don't necessarily have the bandwidth to absolutely fall in love with and passionately follow someone else's passion. Hmm. Cuz I can't I can't serve mine if I'm busy doing that. So you've got to get outside the bubble to find the super fans that have a void where maybe they would like to create something, but they really don't have the time or the bandwidth or the aptitude. They will latch on and find someone and be a super fan of them. You won't find them if you just stay in your community where you're comfortable. You've got to go out and find those people that don't know who you are, that aren't also creators. That's why I am so staggered every time you and I talk, Vincent, because as a creative as you are, that you have the bandwidth to give a damn who I am is so absolutely flattering and staggering to me. Like, where do you find the energy to care enough about another creator? You do it all the time. That's what you do is care about creators. But you yeah, see where I'm going. With this, right? But it's, but, it's, but it's often, funny you say that because that's exactly what it is, right? It's my job as a podcast yeah. host about creative yeah. people and the creative space and creative content. Creative content creation. Yeah, that's what I meant to say. It sounds sure. silly, but it makes sense when you think about it. Yeah, I do. Um, yeah. You know, it's my job to be engaged with a whole bunch of communities and paying attention and watching what's going on and like seeing what people are doing and going, okay, you've hit, you've hit the, the moment now where I want to have you on. Because now it's mm -hmm. like, now you have something that I think my audience might be interested in talking to you about, you know? Yeah. And I think that I think that the reason I can do that and it's I'm lucky enough that that's my space. I always wondered, you know, like I make something sometimes and it just kind of lands like a dead cat. And it's like, oh, man, like I was really happy about that. I was really proud of that and didn't really. But when I make the podcast, I get a lot of feedback. It's like, OK, then that's my place. Right. My place is to bring people on, introduce people to new people that they don't know that they've never heard of or mm -hmm. somebody I try to find, you know, a good balance between the mega celebrities in the community and the smaller creators in the community to try to get a little mm -hmm. bit of both. And I take, I get a ton of guest pitches um, and I turn a lot of them down, but there really? are a couple yeah. where it's like, I had a couple in the last couple of years where it's like, these were 
agent pitches, total agent pitches. And I'm like, yeah, we'll have them on. Sure. Why not? Why not? You know, and it's because they're doing something interesting. It's like, yeah, that'll work. But I can stay engaged. I have to stay engaged in the space, so to speak, so that I can have something interesting to bring to the table. Otherwise, every week, what the hell would I talk about? You know, (laughs) when I do a solo show, which I've started doing, which I always said I would never do. When I started Mm -hmm. doing solo shows to fill space when I couldn't get a guest, they're a half hour long, 40 minutes long. Yeah. You know, it's lonely. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's hard. It's hard to talk for 40 minutes by yourself. You know, it's not Mm -hmm. a not a thing but yet somehow and this is this is kind of cool we just crossed a milestone on this podcast we just got our hundred thousandth download which is fantastic i i can't believe it a (laughs) hundred thousand downloads for an idea that i came up with on monday recorded episode zero on tuesday and dropped episode zero on a wednesday like it was Mm -hmm. literally a three-day creative process to come up with this podcast and all these years later it's a hundred thousand downloads so well, that's the thing, Vincent. It wasn't a three-day thing. It was how many years and decades of forming who you are to have true. a certain aptitude and a certain knowledge base. You know, yeah, you're an overnight success, but what about that 3,000 nights before that that you weren't, right. that you were working on getting to the point where you could do this? It's true. They you always know? talk about, it's like the, they always talk about Kobe Bryant and like LeBron James are good examples because, you know, you look at their success and how good they were on the court. And it's like, yeah. Because they pretty much spent every time, every minute that they weren't on the court, on the court. <laughs> you practicing. know, they were always yeah, practicing. Yep, honing. Yeah, so, right. But yeah, it's I'm I, I'm I always wonder with in your situation. Um, mm-hmm. now that you've had now that you've had a good chunk of the data to look at, um, yeah. how is the podcast growing in comparison to the YouTube channel? Because if I, my impression as a viewer, mm-hmm. as a I don't want to say a super fan, but, you know, knowledgeable fan um, sure. that the podcast might actually be growing faster than the YouTube channel. Is that accurate or? It's not. Okay. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> no. So it's really interesting. In fact, we did a poll on our um, of our patrons over at Patreon.com where we have supporters. Mm-hmm. Uh, the best people on the planet, by the way, are over there supporting us. Um, they were. We wanted to know, hey, look, we spend X amount of time in different places. And something that I hadn't thought about in this way before is it's easy to measure success in volume, right? How many views, how many subscribers, how many downloads? Yeah. The other way to measure success is in what's the purpose of the content you're creating? By which I mean most mercenary I need to make money. Mm-hmm. Pure and simple, I do. Uh, there was a time when I was like, oh, I'm just doing this. If you want to contribute, that's great, whatever. I don't feel like that anymore because literally I might have to stop, you know, because I cannot keep up this pace if I also had a full-time job. So realistically, I need revenue. I need to be able to sustain. I got to pay the mortgage. I got to pay the power bill. I live in Florida, right. 115 degrees. We got to run the air, right? <laughs> um, but why are you creating the content? Um, it's not to say I create content for money. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I need to make money out of the content I create in order of to course. do it. That's what I'm of saying. Course. You understand that cycle, right? Mm-hmm. So all of that is to say the podcast, our audio, the audio component, the audio fork of our Trident, which is the audio podcast, has stayed relatively flat, stable, not up, not down, normal. Okay. But, but 
the podcast is where we relate most with our most ardent super fans. It generates the most devoted followers. Mm-hmm. People love watching the YouTube videos. They sure. watch it. They're done. The podcast every week, over and over, we hear people go, oh man, it's a Thursday ritual. I come back to it every week. I cannot wait. I feel like I'm sitting at the table with you guys. What we're generating there, while we're not growing monumentally, frankly, at all, we're, I would say we're probably right now where we were when I got laid off eight months ago. It's okay. not grown dramatically. It's You couldn't tell the difference if I showed you two charts, right? Okay, fair enough. But the number of ardent fans who say on a poll we did on Patreon, why do you, why are you a patron? Why do you contribute to us? Why do you pledge the support? And fully 60%, 70% said the podcast. The number two was, I'm mad you didn't have an option for everything. Okay. Those are the super <laughs> duper fans, right? <laughs> I think the majority of people who know us well enough to want to support us Mm-hmm. get that intimacy through a regular weekly podcast. So though we're not growing numerically, it's generating a large chunk of our monthly revenue that has created that longer runway we talked about. So have the numbers grown for the podcast? Not really. But what am I measuring? Do I need to be measuring what the podcast is generating for me? It's more, it's greater, it's better. So without getting larger, it's the place that we find our most ardent fans and the ones that want to support us the most. So that's not going anywhere anytime soon, you know, because we were debating, is it smart for me to spend, you know, six hours a week working on the podcast? Is that smart? Is that intelligent? You know, I don't want to end it, but if I can succeed without it, I would consider it. Sure. But what we actually found out was don't measure the numbers, measure what that does for you. Why are you creating it? If you're creating it to reach an audience who loves what you are doing, we're doing that. It's just that the audience is small but rabid. It's the, and that's, the passion. It's like a back channel to your passionate people, which is yeah, it is. Yep. It's kind of cool that way. That that's a really good way to look at it because I'm sure there are people that you know have YouTube channels that are big. That I've seen people with big YouTube channels drop their podcasts. And it's like yeah, I sure. think I always feel like that's a mistake. Like even if you keep it, even if you change the frequency of release. You know, whatever you do, I don't think not doing a podcast is a good idea if you were doing one. I don't think yeah. canceling because your your super fans are going to follow you where you go. Um, yeah. I see you know, it. Interestingly, that there's a Venn diagram of who listens to audio podcasts and who watches YouTube. Sure. And that overlap is not tremendous. It's not 100%. Many, many people only listen or only watch. So. Yeah. You drop one or the other, you're dropping a portion of your audience that's not going to follow you to the other place necessarily yep. because it's an entirely different cons- consumption experience, right? It's not they, the same thing. Well, it's the same reason that some people, you know, listen to the radio, listen to talk radio, but don't watch talk shows on, you know, Fox News or mm-hmm. MSNBC, Yep. you know, because that, that that's how I consume that content. I like, long, I like, you know, it's really funny because I found you guys through the YouTube channel. But I've come, you know, I love, I still love the YouTube channel, but I find that I look forward more to the podcast than anything else. Because for me, consuming a podcast is, I don't want to say, I hate saying passive, but it is a passive thing where you're in my ears and I'm just doing stuff. I mean, most of the time on the Twitch stream, um, I have, I have it on my Apple TV as I'm doing something else and I have earbuds in and I'm walking around the house just doing stuff. And I'm listening to you do the edit because it's, you know, something mm-hmm. you can consume that way. But yep. I think it's, a, I think it's kind of a mistake to not have that outlet because 
people will consume you the way they're comfortable consuming you. You know, is it an eight minute YouTube video or a one hour podcast? Some people prefer a one hour podcast. Hell, my YouTube channel is walking proof that some people prefer to listen to me talk to someone for 90 minutes than to do Mm -hmm. an eight to 15 minute YouTube video. And that's fine. Okay, so this is what I do. This is my thing. Here's what you like. Yeah. So um, why don't we switch over since (laughs) we've been going an hour already, which is kind of crazy. And I know, you know, John is very We're fascinating powerful and, guys. There's no surprise there. John is powerful <laughs> and famous and um, has another podcast that he's going to be hosting at seven o'clock. So um, I don't want to keep him. But um, why don't we switch over and do some things of the week? Because John always brings a good thing of the week along with him. So what do you got for me this time? You want me to start? OK. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Guest always uh, starts. So this is uh, this is something that if you watch the YouTube channel, you have already seen. Uh, but I have not spoken about it the way I'm going to speak about it here. So this is a find that we made over Father's Day weekend. Uh, I don't buy a lot of tchotchkes and collectibles and stuff right now because my income is finite, you know, and I have this fixed amount, but I also still don't walk away from amazing things. So I found a local toy show, a toy store rather here in town. And I walked around and it was a great toy store. They had stuff... Some toy stores are like, here's our pop vinyls, here's our here's our busts, here's our comic books, good luck. This place was, here's stuff from the 60s through yesterday, stacked from floor to ceiling, start digging. It was one of those kind of <laughs> toy stores. I love those. I'll spend those two hours the in there. So after I did the lap, I came back and under glass, they had this 1982 Tony oh. Tron VFD handheld t- tabletop game. So good. This is so for for your listeners. I just want to turn it on because just like we talked about music, I just want you to hear what it is that I helped me fall in love with this. Wait, there's more. Oh, oh, the music, the delightful <laughs> thing. So this started ignited a. Uh, a passion for me to seek more of these things out. I missed out on so many of these. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew about the Coleco, the Donkey Kong, the Pac-Man, the things like that. The Coleco like that. ones are the ones I feel like everyone knows. Yeah, they of had course. Donkey Kong, Pac-Man, right. Frogger. That's what I knew. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then I'm like, oh, a Tron. I've never seen a Tron. This is fascinating. And I, I picked it up. It, it's a great shape. It doesn't have the box or anything, but it has the manual. It's an amazing condition. I did a video on it. And after that video, people started saying, well, John, you got to seek this out. You got to seek this out. Well, my collection has started to grow as I find more and more of these because it's like a it's like a whole a whole vein of gold that the you know the 49ers didn't get to. I'm like, oh, I could go right to this. I missed it entirely. And it's like jumping back in time. I picked up one that's sealed. I picked up a couple in the box. It's amazing what they're able to do with, you know, fixed screens that you can only show certain dots, but they combine, mm-hmm. all right, well, you do this little dot and this dot, and it looks like a ship, and this dot and this dot, it looks like a meteor, and this dot yep. and this dot. And I have just fallen in love with these, things that I missed entirely in the 80s. And they're all from like 79, 80, 81, 82, 83, right in that little five-year range when little John, me, would have absolutely died for them if he knew what was available. <laughs> so this Tron one, though, is the first one that I got in my hands, sat down, and I thought, oh, I'll do a nostalgic review for it, and that'll be fine. And what it ended up being was a nostalgic review of it and a and a just a like an absolute kind of like passion. I mean, like, oh, well, I got to find the rest of these. I got to find more. I've got to. F-. 
it, it's you kind of think you're done. Like you're like, well, I lived through it. I've seen all the stuff that there is. And then you find a whole category mm-hmm. of stuff you missed. And you're like, oh, well, this is all fresh and new for me. So it's been very eye opening. And uh, it's 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 the ice it's the tip of the iceberg of my new little uh, 80s handheld collection. <laughs> that is absolutely fantastic. Um, actually, I want to ask you about something because seeing that Tron handheld actually reminds me of some of a YouTuber who I really, really enjoy. Um, have you ever seen Randy Rain on YouTube? She fixes old. She fixes t- old toy robots. It's kind of her thing. Okay. I'm right. um, like particularly Tomy robots because Tomy was yeah. the king of toy robots for yep. pretty much the entire 60s, 70s, and 80s. Um, right. You know, they had the Tomy pinball, which was basically the robot mechanism applied to pinball. If you ever take that thing apart, good luck getting it back together. But <laughs> um, she does all kinds of cool stuff. And one of the kinds of toys she does from time to time is those electromechanical arcade toys from the 70s oh, and 80s yeah like she did the st- the tomy steering wheel game with the you have the yep. steering wheel and the car rolls on a on a Love wheel right. um she yep. did that she did the little stand-up blip. one with the little tiny blip? wheel was that oh, the st- blip you're familiar with that one the one that's i yeah, have yeah. blip in my closet oh. i bought no, one I broken blip. i bought one broken to fix it um that's my when i feel comfortable enough that's going to be something that I fix. Are I you? have it yeah. in the box to fix. So picking up a blip is on my list. Have you taken it apart yet? It's fascinating. No, no because I so saw Randy Rain take it apart and I'm like, Ooh. did you? Yes. So there's like a little red LED, but it's on an arm. And it's, it's on an arm. <laughs> it's a physical logic gate to determine, mm-hmm. well, when you go this way, which slot can I go into? Yes. And it's, it always goes through the center and then it picks one of three directions. And yeah, you have three buttons. I, yeah, blip is, that's on my list of this category of thing. She, um, she did, she just this past weekend, I believe it was, like I said, I've lost all concept of days at this point, but (laughs) she did, um, a missile defense game and it was the missile rides on a, the missile (laughs) rides on a clear piece of film. And as the, as the game runs, it cranks and the film runs like a reel, like almost like eight millimeter film up Uh to the top. And then there's a light and she's like, well, how does the light? And then you run it and you see that it bumps a switch as it goes up there it's like oh that's how it knows it's at the top of this wow that's clever and you start watching these mechanisms and if you're into these old like tabletop arcade games and handheld arcade games the tomi electromechanical stuff is just pure magic when you open it up and i don't know how she understands this stuff as well as she does her videos are usually like a half hour to 40 minutes Mm-hmm. And I could sit there and watch like she makes her own gears a lot of times. Like she'll she'll have a, one with a busted gear and she'll just make mm-hmm. a new gear. You know, she has molds to make gears and she has sometimes she'll use a solder, a soldering iron to just take a cracked gear and just heat it up enough to kind of glue it back together okay. so that it's functional. Oh, yeah. Like all these crazy fixes for these old machines, plus just watching them come apart and watching her put them back together. It's a fascinating YouTube channel. Um, I think you would totally love it because I know you've taken things apart mm-hmm. from time to time yeah. in your life and put them back together. So, and if you're you know, into this Tomy stuff and the Tomy stuff in particular, it's what she specializes in. So, okay. Yeah. That electromechanical, those toys are so emblematic of mm-hmm. the Gen X experience because mm-hmm. 
we straddled the analog and digital. Yes. And yes. these toys are literally like my mom was analog and my dad was digital and here's the baby, <laughs> right? Yep. It, it is that middle. It's sitting on that line where it's like, well, here's how we made toys. Oh, we mm -hmm. have some electronics now. How can we tweak the toys? But it's before they went all electronic. Yep. Right. It's so mechanical it's, it's toys that, with electronic logic. It's wild to see how is. they it's, hacked them mm -hmm. together, basically. That's right. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. Decidedly no, Gen X. I love that. I love that stuff. Like I, I, mm. those toys, because there was a, there was a very visceral experience of playing them. Like the little tabletop turbo racing game where you had the tiny little gray steering wheel on it. Yes. Like mm -hmm. I remember playing that obsessively as a kid. And there's something about when you turn the machine on and the reel starts spinning and the whole, you can feel the damn thing vibrating because there's actually yep. a flywheel inside turning everything. And it's sure. There's just nothing like that now. It's like, okay, I love my phone and I love playing Pokemon Go more than a normal human being probably should. But at the same time, it's a game where, you know, there's nothing tangible in those games. And in that case, the tangible thing was, oh yeah, the damn thing shakes, vibrates, and dances all over the table if you don't put your <laughs> hands down on it. But yeah. Awesome. Um, my thing of the week, my thing of the week is actually a thing that Kathy and I did. And I'm not sure if I mentioned it here or while we were talking before we started. Right. I haven't, I don't remember, but it was the Long Island Retro Gaming Expo. Um, okay. I have been yeah. for years wanting to go to this and I find out it happened in hindsight every year. This year, by some miracle, I must, I was watching John Riggs and he said August 13th, he was going to be at New York at Long Island Retro Gaming Expo. And I'm like, Oh God, I, I found out before it's going to happen. I'll make it. So I, I looked at Kathy. I'm like, you want to go to this? She goes, yeah. I'm like, all right. <laughs> so we, um, we went this weekend and it was an absolute hoot. It's, it's, they take over the entire cradle of aviation museum in garden, in garden city, New York, um, or Uniondale, depending on, you know, whether you want to be fancy or real. And it's just every game you've ever wanted to play just there's like a whole floor of arcade games there's rooms with different kinds of games and then this year they had a they had a tetris exhibit and it was literally you could play every version of tetris and there was an explanation on a banner next to each one of what it was when it came out and its place in tetris history wonderful that's and we great. didn't even we didn't even know that was there and as we were as we were kind of like i think we're done and she looked at the floor plan and she's like no, we got to go upstairs. I'm like, what? what's upstairs? She goes, the history of Tetris. She goes, there's no way in hell we're going to do this whole thing, and I'm not going to go see the history of Tetris. I'm like, let's go. So we went up to the third floor, and it was so cool to see how Tetris evolved from an ASCII-based game all the way through right. to the crazy variations of Tetris that are out now. But it's a great festival. There's a lot of vendors. I wish there were more. That was something Kathy said she wished there were more of also because it was the coolest thing looking at what people were selling. There was a lot of memorabilia for sale. There was a ton, mm -hmm. a ton of game cartridges for sale. A ton. <laughs> like I've never seen so many game cartridges and systems. Like you could buy bundles of systems at almost every table in the vendor area. Oh, it was awesome. Wow. And then if you go into the second room, which was in the back toward the back of the place a little bit, the vendors back there all had like old computers, like, full-on old computers for like 200 bucks, like computers that were, you know, the kind that you would build an emulation PC out of. And this one right. guy was like, monitor, it was a big-ass Dell, it was a Sony Trinitron, but Dell-branded monitor. 
$25. Yeah, yeah, yeah. $25. It's like, take it $25. And I'm like, Oh, like if I had room for that thing, like it would be coming mm-hmm. home with me. Cause that thing was, it was 17 inches too. probably weighed about 150 pounds. No one of those models, yep. but yep. it was great. It was a great experience. Just walking around all the arcade games that they have at the, at the show are free to play too. So you can, I mean, I sat there playing Popeye for way too long. Like I played a lot of Popeye. So, um, Nothing awesome. Popeye. How many, was did that? you save Olive? Did you save Olive? No, I didn't realize how terrible I was at the game. I mean, I'm, <laughs> what's really funny is that, you know what it is? I was playing it on the cocktail ver- version, and on the yep. cocktail version, I hate cocktail arcade machines to begin with because okay. I don't like leaning over the machine and kind of reaching in front for the controls. Sure. And it's really yeah. awkward to play that game where you have to move in four directions with the stick basically pointing at your stomach. Right, yeah. yeah. But... But it was it was fun to play. It was like, oh wow, this is the arcade version. It's pretty much I didn't realize how good the Nintendo conversion of that game actually was until mm-hmm. I replayed the arcade version this past weekend. But I played that. Um, there were so many games, like so so many games. There were so many people. And one of the things that I love, and you'll appreciate this because of what you do, um, one of the things I love is seeing young kids playing these games, like young, That's like right. seven yep. or eight years old, like playing have little foot stools so the short kids can stand Absolutely. there. Yeah. And it's That's like, awesome. yeah. oh, I love seeing kids playing stuff from when we were kids. It makes mm-hmm. me too. right here <laughs> every time. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. Every time. So Long Island Retro Gaming Expo, it's usually, apparently it's somewhere around the middle of August every year. Now that I know okay. that, I won't miss it next year. Um, Kathy and I are already like, yep, we're going back next year and we're going to spend a lot more more time there next year um it was the same thing we did Brickfest a couple of we did Brickfest back in may which is a lego mm-hmm. um a lego con and it's very good but we so, did it all here's an aside that you might not know about me that you just sparked you talked about Brickfest. i've been Ooh. to big Brickfest several times because from 2001 to about 2009 yeah right about I ran the largest fan-run Lego forum on the internet, all based around the Bionicle series. Did you know that? Oh, wow. I do remember the Bionicle. Do you know Bionicle? Yeah. 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 So the, the, the site is still around, but I founded it. Uh, I had two other guys as partners. We ran it for many years. And as my, my interests diverged, I just kind of offloaded it. So the site's still there. He's still running it. Uh, it's called bzpower.com because it started as Bionicle Zone and Kanohi Power, which were the name of the masks. And we merged it into bzpower.com. Oh, and wow. it's still it one of the longest there. running fan-driven forums about Legos. Uh, and for a while, we were even funded. Our hosting was paid for by Lego for our dedicated host during the heyday when Bionicle was huge. Uh, but awesome. yeah, I know Brickbest well. And it's it's that kind of like super focused nerdery that mm-hmm. I absolutely buy into, you know? Oh yeah. hundred percent. And yeah. I, I'm going to say that I am, I've said this many, 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 many times, especially on this show where she was actually a guest, but I am the luckiest guy in the world because my fiance is into all the nerdy shit that I'm into. Mm-hmm. So like, if I want to go to like Brickfest, I don't have to go, can I go to Brickfest? Oh, we more of that garbage <laughs> or, you know, like, or do, do I want to go to, I want to go to retro yeah. gaming expo. It's more like, Okay, cool. What day? Do, what day are we going? It's mm-hmm. like, yes, you are the you are going to be the wife that every nerd <laughs> dies for. The one that wants to do all the nerdy shit that no other wife wants to do. Thank so, you, Jesus. 
I can relate. <laughs> I met my wife in a Star Trek fan club when I was in college. And she and I, for years, were the captain and first officer of said fan club. That is Putting fantastic. on Star Trek uniforms and Klingon heads before it was called cosplay. They called it dressing up. That is fantastic. <laughs> that is yeah, absolutely you gotta fantastic. You've got to find that similar soul. That is, that's, that's the secret sauce. When I met her, when I met her and we were talking, you know, we were getting to know each other at the beginning, you know, as, and by the way, today is August 16th. It is our six month anniversary, our six month Ah, anniversary of dating. And it is our, you know, we're getting, we're close to three months, no, two months of being engaged. Um, She is, she goes like in October, she's going on the new kids on the block cruise. Like she has all those like niche nerdy interests just like we you know tonight in fact tonight she does her streaming radio show um and i've done you know weekend shows on her radio channel now now that i'm friends with her and i'm friends with her friends and you know i'm doing the stuff on her channel now so it's you know it's when you meet a kindred spirit you hold on to that kindred spirit and there was something Mm -hmm. about her that was like yeah it's like if i'm if i met her if i met her if i was a star trek person and i met her at a Star Trek convention, oh, we would be like, it would be like three right. days before she had a ring. Like, it would be like, no, 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 no. We, well, you could just, it ticks so many boxes that you don't have to do it. Like, look, if exactly. you're here and I'm here, I already know all the things. A lot of the first date questions are out of the way. Yeah. Because you don't have to kind of dance around and go, so how do you feel about science fiction, right? She's got pointy ears on already. <laughs> we know how she feels about science fiction. You know, I, you don't have to dance around that. It's a given. And then you can move on from there to build a relationship. She reminded me, she reminded me after we got engaged, she reminded me that on our, um, on a very early date, it might've even been our first date. I was talking about professional wrestling, which is a very divisive topic. I mean, unless you're George, um, but I was, we were talking about professional wrestling and I said something to the effect of, oh, if you watch professional wrestling with me, I'm putting a ring on it. And she watches Raw and SmackDown with me religiously. Like if it's on, she actually, if we're, if we have people, if like, particularly this happens at her house a lot, like we'll be at her house and her cousin will have company over and it'll be like, all right, let's go. SmackDown's coming on. Like, and she's like, let's make, you know, kind of like, let's make our graceful exit. Let's go watch SmackDown. It's like, oh, this woman. <laughs> like, I have, I have hit the jackpot. I am a lucky, right. lucky boy. So. Right. The alternative is someone rolling their eyes because you want to leave to go watch SmackDown, right? <laughs> exactly. Instead, she's the one saying, let's go. Yep. She's a, it's a reminder. Like, and you know, like even she'll even, she even knows when the pay-per-views are. So like mm-hmm. she won't wow. schedule weekend stuff on a weekend when there's a pay-per-view yeah. because so that we can stay home and watch it together. Like, nice. I, I swear I have the perfect relationship. I could not ask for more. There you go. But this isn't That's a partner. A this is it. True. She truly is. Um, but this isn't a show about promoting Kathy. I already had a show promoting Kathy back a couple <laughs> of months ago and you guys got to meet her. So um, actually, if you're coming to Maker Camp, you're going to get to meet her there too. But um, mm-hmm. you know who does deserve a pat on the back and doesn't get enough love though? The people who support this show financially. And those go. people include Best Man Al Schultz from New York Woodworks, Scott Orem from Daddy Yourself DIY, Ed Swanson of Ed's Clocks and More, Nick Birch told the Birch told Design Build, Tori Decker of Tori Did It, Jake Drews of Make With Jake, Megan Chris from Onyx Designs Woodwork, Christian Neary from Warren Works, Ken Madden of Mad K Studios, David Wood of DW Woodbuild, Dean Duplantis, Chris Raley of Route 9 Signs, Jeff Stein, aka a weird guy. 
Kim and Garrett from Kim and Garrett Make It, Rory Langefeld of RLO Woodworks and DIY, Robert J. Keller, Brian Arsenault of the Seven Hills Maker, Dave Bauer of Dave Bauer Art, Donald LeBlanc of Fun with Woodworking, Ross Cave, Jeremy Spies, Grant Alexander of the Clamp Podcast, Brad Harrison of Brad's Customs, and Billy Poulton of Poulton Projects. Thank you so much to everyone who supports this show financially. I could not do it without you. There's a lot of things right now that I couldn't do without that financial support. So it's all mm-hmm. tremendously appreciate it. If you can't support the show financially, hey, I understand. Believe me, of all the things I understand in the world, that's something I understand deeply and profoundly. But if you can support the show in other ways by sharing it, leaving a review, watching the YouTube version, help keep my YouTube hours up so maybe I can monetize my channel a little bit, (laughs) that would be a huge help too because, hey, it's another way for people to support the show and um, you're watching and listening anyway. So you might as well do it over there where I can get some more credit for it. But thank you for everything you do. It is tremendously appreciated because when you guys support the show and you give me that legitimacy, then I could go to a guy like John Reddick and go, hey, you want to come on my show? And he's like, no, your show Who isn't. You? Oh, wait, no, no. Oh, yeah, this is a legit show. Yeah, let's that do show. it. That show? Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> my schedule. That's right. Uh, it's so funny because I wanted to have you on to talk retro stuff, and we ended up talking so much about the the other side of what you do, more about the the business end of what you do. And I think that that was it was super informative, and I really enjoyed chatting with you about that stuff. I didn't expect the conversation to go there, but I really actually really enjoyed it tremendously. So, thank you for being so open about everything. And you know, I love one of the things I appreciate about what you've been doing in the last eight months is how open you've been with what you're going through and the struggles you're having and the successes you're having too. It's not all, it's not all struggles. Some of it's been successes. Some of it's been, some of it's been like, all right, this is cool. This is happening. Um, And I'm just, I'm really enjoying being along on the ride with you. And I appreciate that you're taking so many of us along with you because it's, it's informative for people who are about to take that leap to go, okay, yeah, it's not all wine and roses, but you know what? It's still on balance, not too bad. <laughs> I would agree. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. you going along for the ride with me, and uh, I mean, your your supportiveness and your uh, your enthusiasm, you know, is that kind of thing. It just helps so much. Uh, we're talking about that support system and who is in the bubble. You know, you got to keep people in the bubble that that keep your spirits up. Uh, and you're, you're one of those. So it's much appreciated. I do it. I honestly, I do it cause I love you guys. I love all three of you. I think you guys do as far as the space you're in and you know, the retro and nostalgia mm-hmm. community, literally nobody does it better. And I will put you up against anyone that's doing what you do. I like a lot of channels that do what you do, but I don't like any as much as I like you guys. And I really oh, truly bless your heart. That. Vincent. Thank you so, so much. That's um, so kind. For those of for those of the people listening who didn't ask that you come back, um, who may not know where to find you, where can people find Gen X grown up in the internet universe? Yeah. So before I plug what I'm doing, <clears throat> I'm going to circle back real quick to your list of patrons. And whenever I'm whenever I'm guested on a show, and I hear about the the amazing supporters that you have, and if you're the kind of person that isn't like Hey, support me. Hey, support me. Hey, support me. I just want to remind your listeners that people that listen that are not supporters, that you're under no obligation to support. But if you choose to support Digitally Creative and Vincent and the work that he does, you're supporting an upright quality production with a genuine warm human being who deserves your support. 
This doesn't happen easily. It doesn't happen for free. It doesn't happen automatically. It takes work. And Vincent could be doing anything to better his position in life. We talked about you know, struggles and stuff. But among those things he does, he chooses to do this to deliver content and entertainment. So if you thought about it, pull the trigger. Maybe go support his show. It's worthy of your support. So, Thank you, man. That's I'm with, gonna isolate that. <laughs> I'm gonna isolate with that, that in mind, that. let me plug myself in the crap I do. <laughs> yes. So Gen X grown up, all one word. You can find anywhere you find things. Just search for it. Just like I said, it's G E N X. G-R-O-W-N-U-P, all one word, no spaces. We're on all the social media networks. We're on Twitch. We're on YouTube. We're on podcasts, affiliates, and stuff. All of our content is available. You can find it all on our website at genxgrownup.com. Beyond that, you can also hear me on 1980s Now, another fantastic podcast that I co-host with Will and Kat that is a different kind of 80s podcast that talks about how pop culture of the 80s is still relevant today entirely different type of show. Plus, I'm also the host of Celebrating Yesteryear over on Retro Days YouTube channel, a spectacular but, uh, production they're doing over there that I'm literally just a talking monkey. That's I don't write it. I don't edit it. They just said, we want. there's no one we would want more to talk and read our script and to be the presenter. And so they asked me on board there. That's another place you can find me. Um, and of course, you can find me apparently every six months here on Digitally Creative with Vincent Ferrari because I keep coming back because it's <laughs> such a pleasure to be here. And you are just such a warm, kind human being to spend oh. some time with. So again, thank you. Thank you for inviting me back. And for the one and a half of you that asked, he did exactly what you wanted. He had me back. So. <laughs> now I need, now if we're, we're going to get John back in a few months, I'm going to need you guys to uh, create the uh, letter writing campaign all over again. Because <laughs> I, I mean, if, if I don't get the feedback, how do I know that's what you actually want? There you go. Know. Exactly right. There you go. Um, but yeah, absolutely. John, it's an absolute pleasure. I can't, like I said, I love, I love the fact that we've gone from, you know, me watching you on YouTube to us being friends. And that means a lot to me. It's, it's, Hell yeah. it's really cool. And, watching watching your continued success is it it warms the cockles of my heart because i remember i go way back with you guys and seeing where you've come from and to where you are now and to where you're going i'm very mm -hmm. excited for you and for and for mo and for george also because um, yep. everybody's doing cool stuff and you know i really hope george brings back you know turnbuckles and territories you know we can, <laughs> i I'm, I'm waiting for season two george George, I'm waiting for season two. It was my favorite wrestling podcast, and now it's gone, and you took it away from me. Seasons. Well, it, it, it was a season one. We'll see how it goes. He, he has a lot of irons in the fire, and I unlike know. me, George has a full-time job as well. That how he's trying dare to he? Slot these things. I know, really. Inconsiderate. <laughs> rude. To go and support your family and all that stupidity. I can't believe it. Where do you get off? I know. How dare you? In my best Greta Thunberg voice. How dare you? Um, <laughs> on that crazy note, um, I will be back again next week. I absolutely, well, I have a guest lined up. Um, I'm hoping that I will hear from that guest to confirm, but I should have a guest lined up for next week. Um, if not, it's going to be solo time. And I know how much you guys love those, but Ooh. I guess we'll throw it in the pot and see what cooks out. So um, I all will see Vincent, you guys all the time. <laughs> exactly. 40 minutes of me whining about not having a job. Are you ready? Are you ready? <laughs> and go. Until then, have a great week, everybody. And I will see you in some form then. <laughs>